Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Well, Heather, here we are. Once again in Studio WSC, we haven't mentioned that lately. To yeah, folks. we're still in the we're walk-in st- closet. We are still in the walk-in closet, and we prayed over our computers for this yeah. episode. So yeah, they were um, misbehaving. It, well, this must be a humdinger because I think <laughs> we had to do a little exorcism over the one. <laughs> I'm going to do a little shameless plug. Uh, mm. Recently, I was on an episode of a podcast called Coffee, Conversation, and Coaching with Rebecca Ann Perkins. And it was super fun. We talked all about discipleship. And I'm going to put a link in, in the show notes in case anyone would like to listen. Rebecca Ann Perkins has been Christian life coach and counselor for about 15 years. And she has a weekly podcast where she covers all sorts of different topics Obviously, I'll link to, to mine, but check out a few of her others. She had a really good one on progressive Christianity mm-hmm. that um, would be a great listen. But we talked a lot about discipleship, and I feel like, Heather, what we're going to talk about today, I mm-hmm. think, really is helped by good, solid discipleship yeah. and good teaching. So why don't, why don't you uh, share with us our topic today? Well, Rose, have you heard the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle? Oh, yes. Yes, and we've probably heard it in Bible study groups mm-hmm. before. I've heard it all over the place. So, Rose, I have a question for you. Okay, I'm ready. Is that phrase in the Bible? It is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible? We it's hear not, it all the time. It is not in the Bible. <laughs> You're right. That phrase is actually derived from a Bible verse that a lot of people take out of context. So it's not a biblical statement what you're saying there when you say that God won't give you more than you can handle. So our one single thought today will make more sense later on as we unpack this. So I'll just throw it at you right now just to put it out there, but it'll get your wheels turning. So our one single thought today is the party isn't here. The party isn't here. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rose, let's start with the verse that gave us this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle. The verse we're going to take a look at today at first is 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, And I'll read that for us. This is from the Christian Standard Bible Version. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. So oftentimes this is the verse where people get confused when they say, Oh, God will not give you more than you can bear. Let's first talk about this verse and what it says. It's talking about temptation. That God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but he will provide a way of escape. So God is not the one tempting you, but if you find yourself in a circumstance of temptation, he's going to provide a way out. We see this in Genesis 39 Mm -hmm. when Joseph was being tempted by Potiphar's wife, or as I like to call her, Mrs. Potiphar, (laughs) and he was able to have a way to escape from that temptation. He ran out in that street. He ran out. He just, he bolted. He was like, get me, get me away from her. (laughs) So that's an example of how God provides a way out. 
But when we hear the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, we, we mush a little bit from this verse and then we put suffering and include suffering in that. And we've come up with this verse that is not only completely inaccurate, but unbiblical. Yeah. So when we think about suffering, we know that there are times that we are going to endure suffering that is beyond what we are able. Mm-hmm. We can only endure suffering based on the power that Christ gives us as, as he, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Mm-hmm. So we look at the, the story well, well, let's start with the New Testament, because that one we don't always think about. But Paul yeah. endured a lot of suffering. I mean, he recounts it often. Mm-hmm. And many of the, the letters that he wrote were written from prison mm-hmm. or house arrest. So he, he lived a very difficult life and probably was one of the greatest evangelists to walk the face yeah. of the earth. If we look back at the Old Testament, we all know the story of Job and how, how much he suffered And quite honestly, the suffering he endured, especially in the short time period he endured it, was just too much for anyone to bear on their own. Mm -hmm. But he still had to endure it, and he got through it because the Lord was with him. So we confuse temptation with suffering. We mix those two together. We we pull a little bit from that verse, and I think that's where we come up with this statement that's completely inaccurate. We know from Romans 5, 3 through 4, Paul wrote, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So Paul talks about here, we are going to endure much suffering. And in fact, I beg to say, if you're a believer living in this broken world, you're going to have suffering before you leave this world. But what Paul is saying here in this verse, or these verses, is that suffering is going to produce endurance, it's going to produce character, and it's going to produce hope. And that's really a the beautiful picture of what suffering can do for us. So we have to remember, I think it's good as we start the conversation to understand how we've morphed these ideas in a way that's unbiblical and inaccurate. Yeah, what you said about Job is really true because Job, I mean, he experienced the worst suffering imaginable probably up until Jesus died on the cross but I mean all he went through he was given way more than he could bear Mm -hmm. and we don't really know why God really didn't tell him why other than to bring God glory but that kind of flies I mean for someone who hangs on to the the truth that God won't give you more than you can handle I mean if you just look at Job you just have to read the Bible to see how wrong that belief is because you look at Job and but Paul and his thorn and mm-hmm. um, so many people that, that suffered, it's not true. <laughs> and especially with Job, I mean, you think about, you know, we don't know why it happened. But for thousands of years now, when we think of suffering, that's usually the first thing we think about is what happened to Job. Mm-hmm. You know, the phrase that everybody uses, oh, you have the patience of Job. You know, yeah. if you read the story of Job, you see that he had to deal with friends that didn't support him and a naggy wife and, and all those things. And he had to endure a lot. And oftentimes, you know, to be able to do that, there comes patience. But yeah, we we don't know why Paul had his thorn in his side. We don't know mm-hmm. why he had to endure that given that he was living his life completely surrendered to the Lord. But now both of them are with the Lord and it really doesn't matter. 
but it's definitely there are definitely examples for us in, in today's day and age throughout history they stand as examples of people who endured when suffering mm-hmm. came Heather, we've established that that statement, God will, won't give us more than we can handle, is not in the Bible, it's, and it's not even true based on scriptures. So knowing that information, mm-hmm. how does that lead to fear in our lives? If that's not true, if that statement that God won't give us more than we can handle, if that's not true, then that means that God, that there's a possibility that God will give you more than you can handle. And that's pretty scary. It's a mm-hmm. fear of what's to come. When is that next shoe going to drop? And so this is what I'm going through right now is really bad. Now it's just going to get worse because God will give me more than I can handle. And so it's that fear of suffering and that fear of not being able to handle it. That's what scares a lot of people. And that's a normal, that's a normal fear. But I think that's where people, they want to cling to that misinterpretation because they're afraid of suffering they're afraid of going through the worst possible scenario and sometimes that suffering if you're going through suffering that can lead to bitterness and that's a real possibility so how can we avoid that i'll share my personal story kind of where this topic came from and i think you'll hear where the one single thought came from so after my amputation it was a struggle as you can imagine when you lose a limb You know, no matter what the circumstances are, I mean, you go through a grieving process because Mm -hmm. you, it's, it's much like losing a child uh, from miscarriage. So a psychologist has said that the grief and the loss that a person feels from losing a part of their body is much similar to a miscarriage and the grief Mm -hmm. that comes with that. And so I had to go through a time of grief after uh, I lost my leg mixed with that. You know, I almost died, so I really Mm. didn't even want to be here to begin with and thought I wasn't going to be here. I was ready to go to heaven, and so I had a lot of emotion that I had to work through, and that kind of, as part of the grief process for me, it sort of led to bitterness because I wasn't necessarily bitter at God, but I was Mm -hmm. bitter at at just the general circumstances and at other people. So I would see people with two legs doing whatever they wanted to do, and I was really Mm -hmm. bitter and angry about it. Why is this person who doesn't even follow Christ, doesn't have any sense of wanting to be obedient, why do they get to walk around, do what they want to do, succeed yeah. here in life, and, and all those things? And that was just really hard. I mean, not only had I lost my leg, but I really had not been very mobile for, you know, two and a half years. And to be perfectly transparent, I really was not at a point where I felt like I could even pray about it. I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to pray other than Lord be with me and and help me. And over time, the Lord really showed me something pretty significant. And he showed me that life isn't about what's happening here. Yeah. This life on earth is very fleeting and it's, it's a short time in the grand scheme of eternity. And so that's when I realized that the party isn't here. Yeah. The party starts when we get to heaven, when we, we leave this world. When I begin to realize and look with eternal eyesight and not at this world and this life here, I begin to realize that it's it's going to get better when this when we leave this world. And if I'm banking on the party being here, Mm -hmm. It's going to be short-lived. 
and it's not fruitful. It doesn't. It's going to be depressing. It's going to be depressing. So, you know, I realized that the party isn't here. And mm-hmm. that was just a huge step that the that the Lord helped me see because I feel like, you know, oftentimes, and I know this, that before all this happened to me, I serve the Lord. I love the Lord. I mean, none of that has mm-hmm. had changed. But I definitely can say that I did not have a perspective, the right eternal perspective. Now that I had been through what I'd been through, I realize just how important it is to have the right perspective as we look to the future. I'm not worried about climbing a corporate ladder. I'm not worried about Mm -hmm. things that the Lord will provide wherever I go and whatever I do. And that what happens here on earth is it's not the, that's not what's important because the party isn't here. The party's in heaven. I think that would fix a lot of things for people, people that are looking for physical healing, but Mm -hmm. just looking for satisfaction in their, this life that they're not getting. They realize this is not all there is. There's something beyond here that we are moving towards and wherever you spend eternity, you are preparing for that. So Mm -hmm. that's why the gospel is so important. Well, and I've had, I've had lost people say to me, well, I know I'm going to hell and I, and just even saying that, Mm. I think, how can you know that and not feel a conviction? And of course, as a believer, the Holy Spirit lives within me. That's, you know, to say that sounds frightening. But for someone who is, for lack of a better term, dead, you know, they're Mm -hmm. living in this world in in a body that's not alive with Christ, alive with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they can say that and it doesn't mean anything to them because they don't grasp the concept of really what that's going to be like. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, I I would never wish what I went through on anybody, but I will say that that has, it has given me a new perspective to really understand and and look toward not this life that is temporary, but what is eternal and will be everlasting. So Heather, recently in our ladies class in we have talked about this with our audience. We call it BFG, Bible Fellowship Group. We talked about how Jesus was preparing the disciples for what was to come as he was heading towards crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And and you and I talked about this in preparation for the for this podcast, about how this, this ties into this topic. But can you share kind of a recap of that discussion and how the disciples really struggled with understanding what was happening? So in a recent BFG class, we studied John 15, 1 through 17, which is the passage about, I am the vine, you are the branches, when Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he was crucified the night before. And there's a lot that we can interpret from that passage, especially talking about Christians today. But for the disciples specifically, when Jesus was talking to them, he was talking about how they needed to remain in him so they could bear fruit in their personal lives, but also in their ministry as they were going to go out after Jesus was resurrected. And at that point, they didn't really know what was going to happen. But he also talked about how they were to love one another and how all of this was a sign of their love for Christ that their obedience was a sign of their devotion and their solid connection to the vine. So their connection to Jesus, their devotion, that the fact that they remain in him and remain obedient and remain faithful when Judas had fled to betray him, their faithfulness was exemplified in that story of them remaining in, in the vine as branches, remaining connected to the vine, and then Judas being cast off as one that was not 
really part of the vine. He was a branch that was cast away. And so if you go further into chapter 15, Jesus talks about all the persecutions they're going to face because of their affiliation with him, that they're going to suffer a great deal because they were followers of him. And that, that really that persecution is because it's Jesus, it's Jesus himself that's being persecuted. And they are just experiencing that as his followers. But through their obedience to his commands, they would have great fullness of joy. So really, Jesus is charging his disciples to remain faithful, to bear fruit, both in their righteousness, but then also in spreading the gospel. They are to love one another, no matter what's going to come their way. They are to remain faithful, to remain faithful to each other. And so if you're putting yourself in the shoes of the disciples who are hearing Jesus say all these things, in a few short hours, their world is going to be turned upside down. Their master is going to be executed. They're going to be scattered. And eventually they're going to go into hiding. But that's not going to be the end of the story. Jesus is going to be resurrected and the disciples are going to be empowered and commissioned to go out into the world and to spread the gospel. So all that to say, the disciples would be given way more than they can handle. Especially if you think of Peter, because he denied Jesus and cursed Jesus to save his face in front of all those people. And so had the disciples comprehended everything that was coming, that would have been unbearable. I can't imagine being them and then going through all of that. But if you knew ahead of time, just knowing that was coming, that would just be too much to bear. But eventually God brings them back. He sustains them through it. He restores them and makes them stronger than they ever were. And especially Peter, he goes from denying Jesus and fleeing to eventually dying a martyr's death for him. So he goes and becomes a missionary in a sense and begins the church. He's the leader of the, the early Christian church. And so from that, he is willing to go to death for Jesus. And so that is a complete 180 from what you see in the Gospels. You know, Heather, what's real interesting when, mm -hmm. you, said, when you said that made me think of when Jesus declared him Peter mm -hmm. and on this rock will, I'll build my church and yeah. you know at the time Peter hadn't, really didn't understand that what yeah. that really meant and as you kind of recapped Peter's life from following Christ denying Christ and then being one of the leaders of the early church mm -hmm. really shows like how Jesus was really telling him and and informing him what was to come, but he didn't really understand it fully. Yeah. And like you said, couldn't have borne all of that on his own if yeah. he did know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jesus had been preparing them up to this moment, telling them things that they needed to know, even though they didn't understand everything. He also promised the Holy Spirit, and he promises that the Holy Spirit will come in the end of chapter 15. So they would have the strength they needed to get through it, even though it would seem unbearable. Rose, that leads me to a question. So how do we as Christians today prepare ourselves for moments when it's going to be unbearable? What can we do right now? Mm -hmm. For me, I've looked back on my life since all this has happened and looked prior to all this to, to just sort of trace the Lord's hand in my life and what was going on. And and this sounds such such like a Sunday school cliche answer, but I really believe getting in the word mm -hmm. is so important and being in the word on a regular daily basis. There was a time not long before I started my health journey and started with my time of, of really deep suffering that I really had developed 
just a real strong time with the Lord every day that I had never really had before. It was, it was mm-hmm. deeper. It was more to develop me in, you know, in my walk with the Lord, as opposed to spending time studying his word for, to teach or to mentor someone or whatever. And I really craved getting up every morning to do it. And so when I look back on that time in my life, I see that the Lord was preparing me for what I was about to face. Because when I went through that journey, I was too weak to want to read the Bible, even many Mm -hmm. days, too weak to pray. I didn't really have anything any words to pray it was it was a difficult time and had I not had that foundation you know we don't know what tomorrow holds none of us do mm. so we have to be ready we just have to be ready and and whether or not anything you know I had and whether or not I had went through a season of suffering that time of preparation still benefited me because it it really caused me to fall in love with his word more, fall in love with him more. And, you know, that's always evolving in my life. I mean, even now my time with him looks so much different because I I have a more fluid schedule. I get to spend more time and I would have maybe not ever done that had I been living the rat race that I had been living. But mm-hmm. I just feel like you've, you've got to invest your time now to be ready for what may come down the road and and how you do that is I think you spend time in his word and soaking it up like a sponge. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very similar to, you know, when you prepare for a, you know, a tornado that's coming or a hurricane that's coming, you know, you do all those preparatory things so that you're ready if something were to happen. And sometimes something happens and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, we always try to keep flashlights, candles nearby that we can have if we lose power. But what happens? Do we do the same thing in our Christian walk? Mm-hmm. Do we refill our, you know, our soul with the word every day? Because you know, one day we may hit a season of suffering that where we need to have that foundation. Well, not even in our personal suffering, but even... As a nation, I mean, I, you know, we always hear and believe, you know, we see what's happening in other countries that Christians are literally Mm -hmm. being put in jail and put to death for their beliefs. And I don't know how long it'll be before America gets there, but I feel like we're slowly moving that direction and Mm -hmm. feeling that need that we need to be preparing ourselves. What if it becomes illegal to own a Bible? What if we end up in a place like China where you have to go underground with your faith and underground Mm -hmm. with your church? And so being prepared for that and having that stored up while you can, that's very convicting to me because I know that, you know, I I struggle with spending consistent time in the word a lot. So that's something that I, you know, I want to do more. And I think sometimes we don't think that you know, we look at other countries and we think, oh, that will never happen here. But like you said, Heather, I mm-hmm. think we, it definitely could. It, even in our lifetime, it could happen. But what I think, I think a lot about is standing true, standing strong for the truth. So I think about just our last podcast, we talked about the role of women. And, and mm-hmm. 10, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been something we would have had to really push hard about. And 10 or 20 years ago, it also wouldn't be a topic that would be a div- division between other people in the evangelical world. Yeah. And we're seeing that now. And I feel like that's just one thing. And I think more and more we're going to see that we've got to really understand what the Bible teaches about things because we're going to have to stand firm for it. And you're exactly right. The preparation for future mm-hmm. suffering isn't just for our personal suffering. 
But what could end up being corporate suffering. Yes. Well, speaking of suffering, there is a another verse that is commonly mis- misunderstood. And you're talking about physical healing mm-hmm. and the party isn't here with our physical healing. So what about Isaiah 53, 5? What can you say about that verse for us? Let me read it first. Isaiah 53. 53 5 says, But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. And some translations say, By his stripes we are healed. When we read that verse, so many people have used that last phrase, We are healed by his wounds, or by his stripes we are healed. They use that in expressing healing, physical healing. So a lot of times I've heard people pray, even in their prayers, where they're praying for physical healing, and they will pray, oh, you know, we know, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is not what this verse is saying. The healing that's prophesied in this verse, so Isaiah is a prophet, and he, much of his book was prophetic to the people of God to, to explain about the coming Messiah. And this particular verse is talking about Jesus and being pierced for our rebellion, for our sin, But the healing that's prophesied here is spiritual healing. It's not physical healing. Mm -hmm. We are healed spiritually by his wounds. Because he died on the cross for us, our spiritual sin has been healed because he covers our sin. Mm. So, so many times that one is taken out of context. I've heard it so much. Similar to God won't give you more than you can handle. But I feel like it definitely here is used to pray over physical healing. Well, and I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that, like you were saying, because God won't give me more than I can handle. That means he's going to to heal me because it says there in Isaiah 53 that right. by his stripes we're healed. So I shouldn't be dealing with this physical ailment, ailment I have because he won't give me more than I can bear. Exactly. And that so it all goes together, all this misinterpreted scripture. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've heard people like track it just how you did. Uh-huh. Like, They'll start with God won't give me more than I can Mm -hmm. handle because he says it's by his stripes I'm healed. And it's like, whoa, whoa, you've just, you know, you've messed up twice here. Like, no, (laughs) that's not correct. Yes. So Heather, let's sum everything up. How does the proper interpretation of scripture, how does that help us live with perseverance? Well, if we're reading scripture, interpreting it properly, we will learn that this world that we have here is not our home. And now I want to sing that old song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes we're going to suffer and sometimes it's going to be really difficult. Um, sometimes we're not going to suffer, but our focus, whether we're su- suffering or not, our focus should be on what's eternal, not what's, th- what's in the here and now. And so that's where a, our one single thought comes from, which I borrowed from Rose because I heard you say it first in another setting is that the party isn't here. Mm-hmm. That's right. The party isn't here. Okay, Rose, what is our one random thought? So the one random thought today is, You are the dancing queen! <laughs> Little Abba there, for anybody <laughs> who's an Abba fan. So according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the longest dance party ever lasted 55 hours and took place in Wexford, Ireland. That is more than I can bear. That is. A- <laughs> <laughs> I had to tie it in somehow. <laughs> that is, yeah, and I think it just happened in 2006 was when. 
It happened. Wow. Yeah. Over in October. That's a long, that a long, long dance time. party. Were they continuously, is it like a dance marathon? It was a dance marathon. Oh, yeah. so if someone had to stay on the floor for 55 hours? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. So it was the longest dance party. And just think, 55 hours will be nothing compared to the dance party we're going to have in heaven. And I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there that I will be dancing in heaven. Cannot wait. And the party will be there. And the party will be there. That's right. <laughs> so Heather, what's our one Ricky thought? Well, just a little, a little diversion from our one single thought. Ricky's one thought today is rest in peace, Wormy. (laughs) (laughs) It sort of ties into things because Wormy has died. Wormy has died. And don't be alarmed, anyone. Wormy is no one with (laughs) a soul soul or a living, (laughs) breathing creature. Wormy is part of Ricky's favorite toy, which is this telescopic teaser wand it's this wand that collapses <laughs> and it's got a fishing wire on it and a feather on the end and it makes him really crazy and the because the the fishing wire is clear and so it looks like the feather is alive and it's flying by itself <laughs> when you wave it in front of him so he loves it ricky got for christmas from my mom she gave him a pack of feathers and in that pack of feathers <laughs> There's like these little fuzzy worms. They, I guess it's like those old pipe cleaners oh, yeah, we had yeah, as kids yeah. that were kind of fluffy. Mm-hmm. So but it doesn't have the wire. And mm-hmm. so it's just this floppy little worm on the end. Well, the twine on the teaser wand got wrapped around one end of Wormy and started <laughs> kind of <laughs> shredding that one part of it. And then it got all knotted up. And so it's just like hanging by a string on that one end. And then Ricky kept chewing on the other end. And so like tufts of fuzz are coming. There's pink fuzz all over my floor because he's destroying Wormy. (laughs) And Wormy is just not looking good. Yes, its name is Wormy. We named it. I say we. Ricky and I named it. (laughs) Because I've gone overboard. But Ricky is still playing with it. I mean, he was eating the fuzz. And so I figured, okay, it's it's probably time to throw this away because I don't know if this is good for him to be eating the fuzz. So today a new wand arrived from Amazon and, (laughs) you know, everything is fine. It's the same kind of wand. I can put another little um, fuzzy worm on the end or another feather. So Ricky's good. He's not mourning Wormy's death, I don't think. That's good. So now is the new, will the new little (laughs) worm be Wormy? Or will it be Wormy the second? Will well, it be of a different name? I have one more left. So there was this pack and there was like an orange one, a pink one, and a blue one, and a green one. So there's a blue one that he has not destroyed. Mm-hmm. There's a green one, but it's falling apart. So mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll name it. Just see. Whatever comes to my brain. <laughs> Interesting. I do like Wormy, though. Wormy, yep. yeah. But anyway, Wormy's gone, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward transition. What is her one... One single question. What is your question? Our one single question today is, in the past, what was a verse that you misunderstood? Now, we clarified this question. We couldn't use the verses we used in the episode. Yes. So, yes. Heather, what was a verse that you misunderstood? Well, I actually think this verse ties very well to what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. My verse that I have misinterpreted, and I think a lot of other people, the majority of Christians at some point in their life have misinterpreted, is Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. (laughs) Yes, that is very, 
unfortunately, has been misunderstood, misused. You see that everywhere from sporting events to throw pillows. You see that (laughs) verse everywhere. And people often take that verse to mean that if you claim the promise that you can do all things through Christ, it gives you strength, then that means I can do anything. I can kick the football. I can pass the exam. I can land the job. I can speak in front of hundreds of people. I can make it through a bad day. I can do whatever. They use it very flippantly and it misses the point of what Paul is talking about in Philippians. And so it almost becomes this personal empowerment statement. Like Jesus is some kind of superpower that's going to bring about whatever you need to succeed. And that's not what this is saying. So I want to read it in context. This is Philippians 4, 10 through 14. And I'm going to read this out of the, the Christian Standard Bible as Rose did on her verses. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. So here Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and he's seemingly trying to put their hearts at ease for not being able to show him the support that he needed. And he talks about his contentment in his circumstances. So we know that Paul went through all kinds of hardships. Uh, He went through prison. He was shipwrecked. He had all kinds of physical ailments. And what he's saying here is whatever they were, good or bad, plenty or in want, the Lord is going to take care of his needs. The Lord sustained him. Even though the church of Philippi, they showed great concern for him. This statement was more of a reassurance to them that he's okay. That Paul is fine. Even though they weren't able to do what they wanted to show support, he's okay. He appreciates them sticking with him, even if they didn't have an opportunity to show, show the support they wanted to show him. And so Paul is saying, I depend on Jesus. Jesus is indwelling in me. He's the one that gives me strength. Whatever is shown his way, he can handle it because the Lord has taught him contentment in every circumstance. So God provided Paul with the strength to carry out his ministry, whether he's from a comfortable home or a jail cell. And so when we look at how we tend to apply that verse today, we rip it out of its context and think, oh, well, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength and I can go out and you know, whatever it is that I need strength for, I'm going to get it because I belong to Jesus. Well, that's not what that's saying. Paul is talking about how he's learned contentment in his circumstances and it's because of Christ who lives in him that he's able to endure whatever it is that comes his way. And so we need to be very careful. And like I said, I've taken that out of context a lot. I think I was not even probably a few years ago when I finally realized what it actually meant when you actually read it in context and Mm -hmm. study it in context. So we have to be very careful, especially when it's a popular verse like that, that we're not just clinging to a promise that, hey, wait a second, let's look and see what that actually says. Mm -hmm. Because then you can get yourself into big trouble misinterpreting what the Bible says and thinking that it means things it doesn't. And you know, Heather, it's funny because if you read the 
that's toward the end of the book of Philippians, so the end mm -hmm. of the letter to the Philippian church. And it's almost as if Paul is, well, it is, he's giving them thanks for their support and supporting him from afar. We're not sure whether he was in jail or not. Mm -hmm. The scholars say that that's up for debate. So, you know, at it, it, the point of this, it's it really does tie well to our topic because yeah. Paul had no idea what was facing him. Mm -hmm. Yet he was able to say this knowing, well, I can do, I can endure what I have to endure because I have Christ with yeah. me. Although we can do a lot of things that you mentioned, we, I think you're right, we use it very flippantly instead of really in the context in which it's, it's meant, which is yeah. a lot about contentment. Mm -hmm. Well, what verse have you taken out of context? So my verse is going to be a little more comical than what <laughs> <laughs> Heather did a quite a good thesis on that passage but mine is the verse in Ephesians chapter 5 so let me set the I'm not going to read the the chapter but I want to set the stage for what's in there so we know the end of chapter 5 is of Ephesians is where Paul is talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife and using that to compare with Christ and his church and Ephesians 5:32 says this mystery is profound but I'm talking about Christ and the church well, when I was much younger, I used to think that Paul was saying the mystery about marriage was profound because mm -hmm. he was single <laughs> <laughs> and that that's what he meant there. But no, what he's talking about is the mystery of the relationship that Christ has with his church mm -hmm. and the way it models what the ma a marriage relationship should look like. But I took it very much literally <laughs> at face value without really looking at the full passage because I focused a lot on, well, Paul was single, so marriage is a mystery, which really <laughs> I was don't, not. I don't get those married people. <laughs> I don't what? get those married people. So yeah, that, that was a verse that I misunderstood. That's funny. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our episode for today. It was a shorter one, but I think it was still packed with some good info. So hopefully it was an encouragement to you. We'll be back in your feed on April 25th, the perfect date. The perfect According date. to Miss Congeniality. Yes. Miss Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 